Let's do something new since spring football was new this uh, last uh, few months here. We're going to do our first ever top 25. JB, what do you think? I, you've seen the results. What's your thoughts here? You know, I actually feel pretty good about it. I mean, I know you've been a top 25 voter with D3Football.com for years and years, but it was really fun to try to take what's ultimately kind of a incomplete uh, data set and, and merge it all together in the spreadsheet, you know, kind of crunching numbers uh, like we did in law or grad school. But, um, you know, it was it was a fun process. And I'm, I think the, the results are actually ones that I can live with. They sound they, I think it came out about as well as it could have. We'll explain how this all worked. We're, we'll have some uh, actual student athletes on the show as well. You'll see what we mean. Stay tuned for the next about 45 minutes or so. This is In the Huddle's Top 25 in Season 13. Okay, let's get to the methodology real quick here. Uh, we'll break this down. And we kind of uh, hinted to it last time we were with you last week that we are basically using teams that finish 500 or better as the benchmark here. Uh, that is teams that play two or more games that were at least 500 in their record. And those were the comparisons we used. We had over 100 teams play in Division Three, at least one game. However, 59 of those teams qualified for that criteria uh, that we just mentioned there. On top of that, what we did was we had a computer ranking and we had us. And basically, we were the eye test, as you may have heard us refer to before, which is kind of that subjective, boy, you know, that team may not have played as many games, but we know a lot about that team and those players. And, you know, based on some history and, you know, showing through, they did pretty well and they should be better uh, probably than maybe what the computer says. But we actually did our ballots before we saw the computer ranking. So there was no post-fixing going on in this whole thing. Um, the computer rankings came down to wins, losses, quality losses uh, in cases where you maybe had a conference championship game or something like that that occurred. Uh, then we also had stats for total offense, total defense, point differential, and turnover ratio. Numbers that we've cited before in playoffs that we think are important to the context of you know, comparing team to team ultimately. So those computer rankings gave us some interesting results. Sometimes we looked at it and said, wow, I wouldn't have expected that, but it came out yeah. for a good reason. And we're going to see probably right off the bat one of those situations. Later in the show, we'll have uh, what we've uh, called in their own words. Uh, this is the last time we did this was the Occidental uh, cancellation of their uh, football program and had some student athletes send right. us uh, videos in to give us their thoughts in their own words. We're going to talk about just spring football in their own words, why they were thankful for that happening. We've got a good number of uh, student athletes that did send in videos we want to present. We'll break up the monotony a little bit later on in the show. Any thoughts before we jump in here to number 25? Well, just to be clear, because I know that there were some fans out there that are going to be mad that their team isn't on the list. And 
trust me, like Whitewater fans, if you guys played, you'd probably be in the top of this list. But, you know, your school, your conference canceled the, you know, the spring season too. So, you know, we, we're pretty sure we'll start seeing you in the preseason polls up where you're used to being, especially after coming off a, a national runner-up type of season. But so just to be clear, this is just the teams that played this spring season. So hopefully that's there's no more confusion and we could just jump jump right in and see what happens. This was the spring 2021 top 25, not the preseason fall 2021 top 25. We may do one of those too. Remember, our regions change. We add two regions. We split the teams differently across the country, and that means it's going to have an effect on our show. And we're still determining what that all means and who we'll be covering more closely in the fall as well. So stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, this We're not calling this the end of Season 13 for us. Uh, we are going to probably do a little more content under the banner of Season 13 over the next month or two as we lead up to Season 14 for In the Huddle. Season 13 was a season unlike any other for sure. The fact we're even doing this should tell you that. I have pages upon pages of information. Let's go. Our first team that we'll name here, number 25, it's going to be a little controversial uh, for some people. It's Huntington. Uh, it's kind of fitting after the last few weeks of shows that we did and whatnot with Brevard and all that stuff that Huntington is number 25. You can see the results there, uh, the Brevard series at the beginning of the season for them and their wins against Maryville and Methodist. The thing to take note of, and I'm, I'm going to point this out, the point differential for Huntington per game is the only team in the top 25 with a negative point differential. And, you know, I, I will tell you in places where JB and I said one thing and the computer said something entirely different, we did not dog Huntington much in our polls. I think I had them right below no. Brevard. I think you had them a couple spots below Brevard. The computer basically said, look, this data compared to the other 58 teams that were in comparison, we tiered them. We didn't do, let's say, number one, number two, number three, down to number 59. We did tiering approach. The tiered approach said Huntington's numbers did not really check well. So in the overall balance between what we did and what the computer did, they're at number 25. Remember that talk about the eye test or the 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 look at the entire yeah. body of work that Brevard had suggested to us? Well, the computer kind of did that here, JB, and that's why they land at 25, but still a good season for Huntington. Obviously, they're recognized by the USA South as champions. We chose not to do that for various reasons we will not get into right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, clearly the... the when you look at them, you know, they, they did beat Brevard once, but then they lost to them in a pretty uh, lopsided fashion. Um, you know, they got the win against Methodist through that sort of coin toss scenario. But still, hey, I mean, they're in the top 25, which considering how many teams play says a lot. They had a great season, and I'm sure we'll uh, be talking more about the Hawks come the fall. Let's go to the only team in our batch that had two losses. I guess maybe that gives away a little bit to certain folks watching here, but uh, it's important to distinguish that while wins and losses did not determine everything, obviously with a small sample size across the board, it decided some of this. And here's one with that bucked the trend to a certain degree. That's ETBU, East Texas Baptist, in at number 24. The game that really stood out for a lot of people had to be the UMHB game where they probably should have won that game in some ways. They had the opportunities, yeah. but the fact that they even challenged 
was an important thing there. And it was kind of a tale two seasons. They kind of bookended the uh, two losses with some nice big wins against a very capable Bellhaven team and Texas Lutheran in the crossover games. And they had some great yeah. stats overall, uh, except uh, the turnover margin kind of was a bugaboo for them. But everything else looked okay on their resume. I know you're a fan of uh, how they did this season. Yeah, and basically I think those two losses were really the games where they, they struggled with turnovers, and that's why you see that pretty high number in the turn, turnover margin there. But the fact that they, like you said, Frank, they, they probably should have beaten um, the ASC champs head-to-head -head was was pretty impressive. And that was enough for, for me anyway to, to have them in, in my top 25, and I think that's partially why they ended up on the combined list. Let's move to number 23. Albion with a 3-0 record. Kind of one of those teams that kind of flew under the radar nationally because uh, we weren't talking much about the MIAA uh, this season, especially as Trine had lost their first game, which was that uh, season opener for Albion. Uh, Trine was one of our tri-national champions from the fall. And remember, uh, we should include that, although I don't know if it affected anything here. These are rankings based only on spring games, only on the spring games, not on the fall games that we've already taken into account for other purposes. So Albion, uh, great offense, uh, 463 yards per game, and the point differential being a plus 18. Turnover margin a little bit low for a three-win team, but that means their offense was able to overcome it. It to a certain degree. Uh, they are kind of the best of breed in uh, the MIAA, which did not play a full slate of games uh, to the degree that we thought they might compared to what they were trying to do in the fall. Uh, but uh, still, Albion, uh, a strong last month and a half or so that we saw them play football. Yeah, absolutely. And and with their quarterback, I think it was either Jack or, or, or Jake Bush, um, great arm, can run. Uh, that offense was really clicking and, and 400 and what is it, 63 yards uh, per game. Uh, that's going to be one of the highest numbers that you'll see on this on this list. There are some that, that, that broke you know, 500, but uh, real impressive team in, in the Britons and, and uh, certainly deserving. Here's one of those uh, controversial moments. You won't be able to tell exactly what I mean right off the bat, but I'll, I'll flag it for folks so that you understand what may have happened when you see the other part of this later. Number 22 is Aurora, and the Spartans uh, come in at number 22. Some folks might be a little bit surprised that they're this low. Uh, Gavin Zimbelman and company went 3-0. There was no championship in the NACC because it was canceled ultimately. Uh, they were supposed to uh, face Lakeland, and it would have been a very decisive game for us in terms of the rankings. Without that game, we have to go on what's, what's in front of us. And what's in front of us was a very imbalanced set of three games by Aurora and a turnover margin in just three games of minus six. That did not help matters for this team. Their point differential was strong because of that one route at the beginning of the season, actually the first two games when you really look at it. But when the long story short comes here, Aurora is a good team that almost beat St. John's in the playoffs a couple of years ago with Zimbelman at the helm, but a team that needs to be more consistent on both sides of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. The, I think that that minus six, you know, uh, second lowest um, turnover margin, I think, is as far as we have on our list. And so, yeah, well, I feel like, you know, if, if Aurora and Lakeland had played, that obviously would could have moved them well up uh, the list if they if they had won that and effectively gone 4-0. But, 
you know, like you said, a little inconsistency and that, that kind of dinged him on the computer side. Yeah, this was another case where I think our uh, votes went over and above what the computer fed back to us. And so we end up counterbalancing in a way that puts them in the top 25, at least, because they deserve to be there. But uh, look, I think those numbers don't mislead you. We, we remember that Benedictine game where things were kind of... They barely uh, won. <laughs> yeah, they took uh, kind of the quasi-onside kick scenario. Don Beebe calling uh, that for two straight weeks. But the, that second week of it it was necessary. They almost did not win that game. And so um, consistency, that's what they're going to have to work on in fall 2021. And again, that's why we use spring at all. Spring 2021 gave us an idea of who we are as a team and as players, what a roster looks like, what we need, what we uh, you know have, all those things. A lot of teams will be talking about, I think, learned a lot about themselves this short season. Let's go to number 21, uh, only two games in for Carthage. Uh, the 2-0 Firebirds now, uh, no longer the Redmen, but the Firebirds. Uh, they changed their mascot in the last uh, few months, actually, I think it was. Uh, look at their total offense, kind of low compared to most teams, under 300 yards per game, but their total defense under 270. And a good point differential there and turnover margin in just two games is a plus three. So Carthage, you know, for a CCIW team, Flying under the radar because of, you know, the, not having uh, oh the, those uh, defending national champions uh, playing uh, this uh, season in North Central. But the CCIW <laughs> right. is a good conference with good teams in it. And this is one of those really scenarios good, yeah. where the computer sort of balanced with us on this one. It, it agreed with what was in front of it. But we sort of rubber stamped the situation and said, yeah, Carthage is a good team. They deserve to be in this number 21. Yeah, the Firebirds definitely, I think, you know, typically have been sort of a 500 kind of middle of the pack CCIW team. But the reality is the CCIW is so strong that a 500 team from that conference would beat <laughs> most of the other 59 teams on on the overall list. Uh, so let's be realistic. I mean, there's probably some further up in the top 15 where that may not be the case. But a very strong conference ranking, I think, helped boost them up a little bit. Yep, indeed. I, and I think that's where our eye test kind of came into in some of these because we know what the conferences they play in. The computer does not. The computer doesn't have the ability to balance it unless we fed more data in. So, again, this is why we do this balance the way we did it. Uh, the computer has some good uh, thoughts. We had some good thoughts, I think, as well with some of these teams. For instance, DePaul. I, I believe it was Jim Catanzaro, uh, Coach Cat from Lake Forest, who came on the show, and you asked him about a scenario like this, a top 25, and teams that he yeah. thought were deserving. I believe DePaul was one of the top on his list. That if they got to play it more, was, yeah. we would have seen them probably in a top 10 scenario. That What they did do on the field, we thought was worthy of number 20. And uh, almost 400 yards a game offensively. Defense probably need a little bit more uh, control uh, to maybe get them a little bit higher, but the point differential plus 24 and the turnover margin plus three in two games, that's good stuff. And DePaul deserves, I believe, to be on here uh, in this list. It's the only NCAC team really uh, that you know had a resume worth or able to be showing on this list. And DePaul is your number 20 team as a result. I know you and I maybe maybe had a little disagreement on this, but I, I think Kat's points were pretty cogent about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I think he alluded to the fact that something like a 29 or 30 
person senior classes being part of that reasoning because there there aren't that many uh, of those out there anymore. So um, sounds like they're going to be a pretty loaded team coming back in the fall. So I'm sure we'll be talking more about DePaul uh, real soon. Let's move to number 19 and our first NJAC team uh, of at least maybe two, maybe three. I, I, I'm going to let you uh, sit and wait that one out, folks. But uh, the Montclair State Redhawks, uh, the computer uh, did some uh, good liking of this team. So did our uh, human uh, rankings as well. Montclair, we knew, was a strong team. Uh, that Wesley ending was a little bit uh, screwy. We'll call it that. But uh, they probably should have mm. won that game. And if they had, they probably would have been near top 10 material, if not in the top 10. But still, with the uh, Kane win, the seven-point Wesley loss, and the uh, route of William Patterson, uh, their defense was what really highlights things, although Jaquiel Birch might argue with that a little bit. He had a decent season, indeed. It just wasn't in sure yardage figures. And uh, the turnover margin at plus four is decent, uh, to say the least, although over three games it averages out a little bit less than, let's say, DePaul. But this is one of those eye tests with the conference. You know the NJX conference, the teams that played or that they played uh, are good teams. Uh, maybe not the greatest of the NJAC teams uh, on that list, but still, Montclair had some great support throughout their cast on both sides of the ball, and they deserve to be the number 19 team at 2-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, when we saw how close um, Salisbury and Wesley's game was, only two points there, and to only come up, you know, by, by a touchdown short and maybe should have had an extra play or two in, in that game, which could have which could have changed the outcome. So, you know, definitely in the thick of it. And, and so congrats on to the Red Hawks on their North Division Championship. Um which was something we initially were going to factor in, but we, we sort of took some of the division stuff out of it. It was kind of clouding the data to a certain extent. Um, but still from the eye test, I definitely feel like uh, Montclair is a team that, that belongs in the list. Time for some safety, or four safeties perhaps, as uh, number oh boy. 18 is Lake Forest. There's only two of us. We, we need uh, two more co-hosts. We should have gotten Trench Talk to help us out. Uh, but uh, Lake Forest in at number 18. And I, I'm going to throw you right down to a stat that absolutely stuck out to us. Total defense was good at 242, no doubt. But go two lines below that. Turnover margin in just three games at a plus six. This defense was a bunch of ball hawks for Lake Forest absolutely. in the games they played. And so, you know... Greenville, which was a common opponent with DePaul, uh, it, you know, maybe uh, DePaul deserved to be above Lake Forest. And if they played a third game, maybe DePaul would have been above Lake Forest, to be honest with you. But they both handled uh, Greenville pretty well. Uh, but, you know, Lake Forest seemed to trip up a little bit against Illinois College, but was able to get back in that game because of that defense and their special teams, for that matter. And the ripping game wasn't really even close when he really got down to it. Seemed like they were hitting a good stride at the end of this spring, and that's the type of momentum you want to see from a team when we're just three months away from the fall, essentially, when they play their last game, maybe four months away from their first kickoff, uh, technically, but three months away from preseason. Cat's got to be happy, and I, I have to assume he thinks that number 18 is a fair number for his team. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, a combination of the the results plus you know the competition that they played, and you know obviously Coach Cat was one of the 
most outspoken coaches in, in the fall and the spring about getting games in. And so I'm sure, although he would have probably liked to have that fourth game against Knox, which I'm guessing they would have won and made them 4-0, 3-0 spring season, nothing to uh, uh, nothing to be uh, upset about. It was definitely team looks good and they're, they're heading into the fall uh, looking strong. Number 17, bittersweet to say the least right now. Uh, another yeah. NJAC team here. Uh, Wesley Wolverines. Uh, we're going to say it right now uh, because I think the timing is right. Uh, ultimately, uh, we have uh, for the last two seasons named uh, Coach of the Year, uh, Coach of the Region. Really, uh, the first year was Jeff uh, Behrman from uh, Union uh, in 2019. Uh, in 2020, uh, Coach of the Year across the nation was Mike Toop for his dedication and ability to get the game off the ground and win it against Coast Guard. Chip Knapp is our 2021 Spring Coach of the Year here on In the Huddle. And to think of the job he had to do to get this team even to be able to field the team because of the announcements, because of what happened with Wesley generally, uh, it, it was no small task. And whoever hires him is going to be very, very fortunate down the line here. Um, you know, they didn't have a kicker in their first game against Salisbury. The 2-1 and one record uh, is because of that uh, close loss. If they had a kicker in that game, they might have won it or gotten to overtime. Uh, if you do the math back and forth, it was possible. Yeah. But the point here is to even feel the team. This was not your normal strength Wesley team. Uh, Shimera Vessels had already left for uh, Del Val, so one of their best uh, players is already gone. I mean, against all odds, they finish here in a way that puts them at number 17 legitimately. And like I said, Chip Knapp, our coach of the year. I know you you are your coach of the season, I guess we should call it, at least uh, in this situation. But I know you're a big fan of Coach Knapp. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts here as we close the book on Wesley? Yeah, well, it's just been an amazing run for this program for the last you know, 20, 30 seasons. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Coach Drass and Coach Knapp um, were, you know, the kind of the Batman and Robin of D3, you know, uh, football there for a while. Just uh, great, great teammates, coordinators um, uh, and, and teachers and, you know, whether it was on our show or, uh, you know, Pat's, um, you know, kind of Wesley's, uh, uh, like the voicemails from former players, just a lot of great, um, a lot of great seasons, a lot of great football, a lot of great memories for Wesley, and uh, we'll miss him. Indeed, we will. Let's move on. We don't want to dwell too much here. Obviously, there's a lot more to be said and written about this whole situation with uh, Wesley. We'll do that another time. Uh, number 16 is the only team whose mascot is a fish, I believe. So if you have a fish as your mascot, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I, you might want to turn off the show at this point. Uh, I don't, <laughs> how, many, how many teams do we have with fish as mascots? I, I really don't think we have too many out there. Anyway, um, Lakeland, the Muskies are number 16. Now here's that separation. Yeah, <laughs> reel it in. Uh, they, they didn't reel in Aurora in terms of being right next to them, despite the fact that they're co-NACC champs because of that lack of a game we talked about earlier. 3-0. Look at their offensive and defensive numbers, though. 475 plus. Yeah. Uh, defense 240 minus. 
The point differential plus 28.4, turnover margin only basically plus one per game, plus three overall. But their numbers, the computer basically threw them into a top tier area. We rebalanced that with our uh, votes, I think, ultimately. But JB, I mean, Lakeland, a team that maybe a lot of people don't think is that caliber team. And the NACC, we understand, isn't necessarily that caliber conference in a lot of people's minds. But they looked really good. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers are hard to, you know, to put down. And so, you know, without that, you know, deciding game between Aurora, they they do come out on top in, uh, in, in certain ways, maybe moved up a little higher than they may could or should have. And there's going to be other teams that we're going to talk about that, but just sort of where it fell and, and still a 3-0 uh, record and the wins that they had and, uh, the numbers they had certainly, you know, got them to that spot. So we're going to take a little break here. Uh, you know, we're drawing it on and on here. We've gotten down 10 teams. Uh, we got 15 to go here in our top 25 of spring 2021. But a lot of players wanted to tell us their feelings about spring football, about, you know, why they're thankful it was played. There's still this open question about what level of spring football we're going to see in the future, be it practices with pads, uh, spring games, or whatnot. And let's just hear from some of the players. Uh, I think we have a re representation from Westminster, Hendricks, Montclair, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody here. Salisbury. Thank you. <laughs> I knew I forgot somebody here. Salisbury. Yep, Salisbury as well. Uh, so we thank our SIDs from all those schools for helping us out with that. But uh, in their own words about spring football. Not being able to play in the fall made me really grateful and really appreciate still being able to play the game of football. That made playing this spring even better. It felt amazing to get back out there competing after not playing a game for so long. It is always a good feeling to be practicing, but to be able to play a game and go out and compete against another team is always a better feeling. Although there were no national playoffs this spring, it was good to know that we were playing for something and playing for a conference championship at the end of this. Hello, my name is Tajay White, junior wide receiver at Hendricks Football. And what playing in the spring meant to me was everything. In the game of football, you never know when that next game will be your last. And especially this year, in COVID, games got canceled a lot. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity that the SAA offered us to not only play those five games, but to also play in the conference championship. Hello, my name is Bryce Thomas, and I'm a junior safety for the Westminster College Titans. Uh, and being able to play ball this spring was definitely a blessing. I mean, after coming back in the fall and learning that we weren't going to get a chance to play in the fall, then coming back in the winter and still not knowing if we were going to get a chance to play in the spring, it was definitely a blessing to learn that we were actually going to get a chance to play. After all the practices and after all the just going through everything in classes and stuff, um, being able to play was definitely a relief. I mean, I got a chance to go back out there and compete with my brothers and as a team, we were able to accomplish something that's never been done here in our school history and win a conference championship. And I feel like it gave us momentum into going next year. So spring ball was definitely a blessing and I'm glad we were able to have it. For us getting to play in the spring just meant that we, that we would be together again. And I think I think that's that's what most of the team wanted. We wanted to be around the be around the team and be around our coaches again. And most importantly, it meant that we, we could send our seniors out on a good note that and we, when we heard that we could play in the spring, that there would be a championship, we, we made a goal that we wanted to be our best and play our best and give our seniors uh, uh, a champion's exit. 
What's up, guys? Um, first, I want to say thank you for all the coverage this year. Um, you guys do an incredible job promoting D3 football. Um, and in terms of being able to play this spring, um, for myself, it was kind of a blessing in disguise coming off the torn ACL at the, in the ECAC Bowl at the end of 2019. Um, so I was just glad to be able to play at full health. And then uh, for the team, I think that sentiment was shared. Um, knowing how hard we were working this summer and in fall practice, um, with all the uncertainty going on with the pandemic, we just knew that any opportunity we got, um, we want to make the most of it and just cherish the opportunity to compete and be around each other. So, yeah, thank you. I'm Maceo Matthews Jr. from Heidelberg University, and I'm thankful for the spring season because it gave everyone an opportunity to play and grow as a team. Thank you. Being able to play this spring was a truly awesome experience. Um, it felt like forever since I was out there with my teammates and playing real football games. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I was really happy for our seniors that won't be with us next year that they were able to go out and um, play their final games of college football. Um, I think overall as a team, I think it gave freshmen a great experience of what college football is all about. And as well as everyone else, it, um, it let us know what we need to get better at and what we need to improve on this summer coming up for our fall of 2021 season. So playing in the spring, honestly, was just being able to play even two games was just a great experience. I'm really thankful for it and I'm glad that it happened. Um, and I'm looking forward to our season this fall. Go goals. Hi, I'm Nick Kofer, senior at Huddleberg University, and I'm thankful for the spring season because it gave me personally and the team an extra five opportunities to grow and to go into the fall championship season. To get to play this spring season truly meant everything to me. I think it meant everything to this team as well. Um, with all the uncertainty after the fall season getting canceled, it was finally a relief to get out there and play some games, get to play the sport we all love. Um, we showed up in the fall not knowing when and if we would play in the spring, but um, we practiced hard and I think we got the work done that we needed to and I think it all ultimately showed in the spring that we truly were prepared and ready to go. Um, for me personally, after 17 years of football to get to end my career in my senior year as a pack champion is an amazing feeling and something I'll truly never forget. I also want to thank the conference the coaches, the athletic directors, the trainers, everybody behind the scenes that took the time and effort to make this happen and to make it the best experience we possibly could have. And it's something for me I'll never forget and something that I will carry with me forever. Thanks again to those student athletes for taking out the time uh, for uh, those comments and thoughts. Uh, we do appreciate that. Good cross-section of teams uh, across uh, D3 Nation there. Let's get back to our top 15 teams here. We'll give a little bit more uh, discussion about uh, some of these as we go into our higher list. Uh, we'll also go through all 25 at the end of this in case you missed our first 10 or don't want to rewind at this point. Let's go to number 15. <laughs> and uh, here's that controversy part two of uh, what we talked about in number 25 with Huntingdon. Number 15, the Brevard Tornadoes. Uh, you know, we know the minefield we're walking into here by having this separation. But again, Brevard's numbers, when we looked at the turnover margin for Huntingdon uh, and the point differential, and then you look at Brevard, you can see why the computer treated these teams so much differently. Uh, the extra yeah. win obviously didn't hurt things for Brevard. Uh, I, and technically, should 
have canceled the coin toss, but we won't go there. Uh, or did I? <laughs> but, you know, they start with the Huntington loss, and then it was up, up, and away from there. And obviously, more than rebalanced that loss the second time around. Um, Tornadoes, great leadership on both sides of the ball. Their defense obviously was a highlight quite often this season. Uh, you wonder what happened in that first game of the season, why they didn't respond as well as they did the rest of the season. I mean, they gave up, what, 30 points in the last four games and 26 points in the first game of the season. But uh, Brevard bounces back well and becomes number 15. Hats off to them, a team that really is becoming a household name in Division Three for good reasons now. Yeah, and you'll also see, um, maybe not at the moment, but once all this is said and done, but the 225 on, on the total defense is, is going to be one of the better uh, numbers that, that we came across, at least in the tabulation of all the statistics. So uh, awesome job by the Tornadoes. I know they've had you know some challenges with injuries to um, their quarterbacks, but they, they found ways to keep winning games um, with, with backups and third string guys or converted tight ends. So uh, a lot of credit to that coaching staff for getting this young program up and running pretty fast. And well, I'm sure we'll, like we said, light it right over your shoulder there, Frank, you know, we'll, we'll be seeing more of the, uh, we'll be seeing more of the, the tornadoes over the next few years. Thanks again to Brevard uh, uh, for the uh, wonderful helmet here. And uh, also thanks to uh, Norwich for sending some great swag our way uh, this week. Yeah. Uh, we showcased on Twitter. I don't know if you folks saw it, but uh, we'll be uh, showing a lot more of that. Uh, like I said, we're going to be redoing the background uh, here on my set. Maybe yours too. We'll see uh, with all the stuff you've got coming uh, your way uh, for season 14. Let's continue here. Speaking of 14, how apropos. Uh Number 14 in our uh, rankings, the Hendricks Warriors. Here's a team that maybe I feel like should be in closer to a top 10 team. Uh, But then, you know, you you look at some of the stats and you say maybe this is why they didn't rank as well as I thought they would have with only the one-point loss to Barry in the SAA title game. Um, Total offense, 388, can be a little bit pedestrian compared to some of these teams with 400-plus that we've seen. So they didn't tear out tremendously well. The point differential uh, was pretty low compared to most teams we're looking at as we continue here at plus 9.3. And the turnover margin at plus 1 didn't help much either. But still, Hendricks is a very good team in a very deep SAA conference uh, they weren't just fun to watch that conference. You could tell they have a lot of talent that maybe we didn't appreciate fully because we hadn't gotten a chance to really concentrate on that conference until we did see them almost showcase themselves weekly on a national uh, stage, basically, this spring. Yeah, and I think Hendricks also fell into a similar situation as Huntington. Playing a lot of these close, low-scoring games just didn't... Uh, the robots don't like that some, for some reason. So, uh, but the uh, the Warriors had a, a fine season, and I think you know those guys down in Conroy, uh, Conway will be more than happy to, to call themselves a top fifteen uh, team from this spring. Let's go to number thirteen, and uh, here was an interesting uh, thing. Uh, the conference that's going to end up, I think, happiest with how things worked out here is going to be the ODAC. Uh, and you'll see why as we move through this. Uh, first off, number 13, Hampton-Sydney. Uh, the team that, 
you know, probably should have done a lot better than they did against Randolph-Macon in that 28-0 game. But the rest of their season, 21 21-0, 26-0, 43-12, 49-21. Yeah, absolutely. The defense, 236.8, point differential, 15.6, turnover margin, plus six in those five games, including the loss. And whenever you see a loss, you've got to assume they lost the turnover battle in most cases in that situation. So despite that, they still were at a plus six. So... Hampton Sydney is kind of that tale of two teams. One game doesn't necessarily define who you are. This is where I think our eye test helped them a little bit, but the stats obviously buoyed them, you know, to a certain degree here. And playing five games in a season didn't hurt because it sort of justified yeah. the positioning. It gave us enough of a sample set to say they're good. Okay, it wasn't like they were one and one where we're like, oh, you know, I, I don't know who the real. Hampton Sydney is. Here you've got four and one against decent teams in the ODAC. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you when you look at their uh, total defensive numbers, once again, you know, it's anything kind of in that 225 to 230 range is, is really strong. Um, and the point differential is very solid. Um, so, yeah, the, this, uh, this HSC team definitely uh, had a great season and, and Good to see him as, as high as 13. Let's talk about, we just talked about our first ODAC team. Let's talk about our last NJAC team that's going to be in these rankings. And uh, you saw Jack Lanham uh, in our uh, In Their Own Words segment just a little bit ago talking about spring football. And there's a reason why he was probably happy about it because his team got to finish here number 12. This is a case where only having two games didn't necessarily help Salisbury. Uh, and the computer took back some odd numbers with them. But our rankings kind of embraced who we knew they were ultimately. And so the counterbalance, I think, did it actually the right thing here, putting Salisbury at number 12. The two games were obviously the two-point win against Wesley and the 25-point win against Christopher Newport. Um, you know, the total offense and total defense didn't help them. Let's just be clear about that. Both are in the yeah. uh, lower 300 to middle 300 range and not in the right spots necessarily. Uh, the point differential at least was po- uh, plus 13.5. The turnover margin at zero. Again, this is where the computer basically looks at it and says, eh, we got some better teams over here, at least statistically. And that's where we say that may be true, but they are in a good conference, play uh, good teams, and they are a very good, experienced team, obviously based on their 2019 playoff performance. So, again, this is where I think... I'm happy to see where they landed because I think it's justified. Going into the top 10 might have been a little bit too high for what they showed, but putting them into, let's say, below 15, I I wouldn't have agreed with that either. Yeah, and that's kind of, I think, what the computer sort of initially was trying to do. And so we had to kind of counterbalance that with the experience that we have with covering these guys. Like This was an Elite 8 team in 2019 and they didn't lose a whole lot to graduation and uh they'll be one of the best teams in what i guess is region two <laughs> this fall it's not the east or the south or whatever no it's just two you know, region two okay we'll, we'll talk about that some other time but um definitely a strong salisbury team as always and, and certainly deserves to be up there 
Time to go to uh, kind of another bittersweet uh, moment here. Uh, from number 12, we go to a number 11 team, and uh, the photo we chose, obviously, uh, for a reason, as uh, the jersey of number 49 being held by the team of Heidelberg. Uh, you know, the Curtis Hellman story we cover pretty deeply, and uh, the, the loss still affects uh, the Heidelberg student princes uh, in ways that, you know, we can't describe and you know talking to coach donaldson and whatnot we know it still is very very prevalent on their minds but the, getting to celebrate the oac west championship uh, before their game against mount union obviously didn't go the way they wanted it to uh it, it was one of those highs and lows seasons for this team that you know you look at their numbers they scored some points this team has a good future drew sims and company uh, this is going to be an interesting team. Maceo Matthews, uh, who you saw in their own words earlier. Uh, this is a good team. Are they Mount Union good? Obviously not yet. Uh, we saw that in the championship. But 499.4 in the offensive category. Their defense needs to sort of uh, tamp down the yardage you're giving up, obviously. And their turnover margin needs to get on the right side of things. But again, that Mount Union game skewed some of these stats in a way that uh, threw everything off. And again, we try not to define teams by one game. Does it push them out of the top 10? Yeah, it does. Okay, we get that. But sure. Heidelberg, I think, fell to where they should have fallen based on it. Number 11 is a number that I think is fitting, again, for a team that had the offense they had and the weapons they had throughout the season and had overcome what they overcame just a couple weeks into this season. Yeah, and basically 500 yards a game is going to end up being something like the top five or six best offense in in the spring nation you know season. Uh, so certainly uh, that Mountain Union game probably you know if we took that out of the equation, the the numbers would look a lot better. It was just one of those games where things just got off uh, to a bad start and just kind of kept going downhill. So um, you know. That, I, I don't think that should be held too much against them, especially with a, a program as, as storied as Mount Union. But this, it was great to see um, the student princes overcome a ton of adversity. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that they're looking forward to um, getting back at it in the fall. Indeed. Uh, time for the top 10. If you haven't heard your name yet and you think you're a team that deserve to be in this list, you're probably coming up right now here in our top 10 of 2021 spring season in Division Three college football. Number 10 was a challenge for our top line banner to make sure it could fit uh, without having to abbreviate badly, and it fit. Uh, Washington <laughs> and Jefferson, the presidents, uh, I joke about that, but I mean, this team, there's nothing to joke about besides that because they had a great season and great numbers. Uh, you know, we had their head coach on a couple weeks ago, obviously, to discuss, uh, you know, the Westminster game and everything else uh, that was coming at them. But, uh, you know, you look at these numbers, uh, 400, point, or 400 yards per game offense, okay. Uh, total defense, so less than 200. That's one of the best numbers, even with the loss figured in. Absolutely. 25 points per game uh, differential. And the turnover margin, despite the loss, is still a plus four. Um, and the, the pack is a decent conference. Now, maybe they were in the easier division, per se, in some people's minds. You know, there's debate about who's who and what's what with how they divided things out. But, you know, Washington Jefferson played strong, consistent football 
and had a good chance in that Westminster game in the championship. Uh, yeah. Just fell short, but you, you've got to take your hats off to the consistency that Washington and Jefferson presents year after year, including this spring season. Yeah, I mean they're they're always in the playoff consideration um, and in the the pack uh, conference championship race every year. So um, not surprised that, that that they ended up here uh, and the fact that they really you know had a, they had a couple of uh, turnovers taken away in that pack championship game. You know they could have been hoisting the banner potentially, but um, solid season uh, by the presidents. That defensive number is probably I think the best that we have on this list under two hundred yards per game. Um, certainly great, great run for the presidents. Yeah, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to look through to see if, uh, I see a, a better one. Uh, you just said that and I do not, I, I think 199 point or 198.3, yeah, excuse me, cool. is uh, going to be the best one that we have there. Uh, but we'll see mm -hmm. as we go along. That's why, that's why we have these, uh, slides. So you'll get to see it with us as we go down the list of the top <laughs> 10 here or up it as I guess you should say. Here's a team that I think some people are going to disagree with, and I would tell you, you got to look yeah. closer at this situation. You really do. Whitworth, the Pirates of the Northwest Conference, in at number nine. I Look at the scores, and I understand it's against only two teams in four games, but there's a logic, a reverse logic to this as well, folks, which is usually if you route a team in game one, usually they're going to know enough what to do in game two to beat you back mm -hmm. or at least lessen the problem. And if they aren't able to do so, it probably means you've got a lot of talent on your team. And I think that's what we saw with Whitworth. Jaden Pruitt, their quarterback, uh, Ethan Pelliquin, and uh, among others, is wide receivers. Offensively, this is a very good team. 400 yards per game just about. Defense was uh, 267.8, but the point differential at plus 29, that's one of the best that we've seen. Uh, across this top yeah. 25. Turnover margin plus four. You know, Linfield didn't play in the Northwest Conference this season, but the, the one thing we've noticed over the last few years is that the depth in the Northwest Conference seems to be getting better. That Linfield isn't the automatic check mark they used to be. And the fact that Pac Loot wasn't able to really hold a candle to Whitworth in those two games that they played tells me that Whitworth is a strong team and is deserving to be in the top 10 at 4-0. Yeah, absolutely, especially what you said before with Pruitt and, and Pelequin. Like, they had some major connections, you know, long touchdown passes um, throughout the spring season, very consistent. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's, it was fun to, to see a little bit of uh, a little bit of football in the, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, especially, especially when they had some of the later start times. But uh, solid run there by the by, by the Pirates. They'll certainly uh, be giving Linfield a good run for their money come the fall. We're going long as usual here, but you know what? We're having fun and we're giving you some good information along the way. So uh, we're, we'll end up being about an hour in the show, uh, maybe an hour five. But uh, you know what? Top 25, 25 teams that we want to talk about. It's like talking about favorite children at this point. I mean, that's, that's what we're uh, up against here. Uh, here's one uh, that we're losing. Uh, favorite children are leaving us, yeah. I believe, going to a different uh, division here. Uh, Emery and Henry uh, in at number eight. And, you know, again, the, the only black mark on their record is that loss to Randolph-Macon in overtime, 13-10. to 10. And, you know, total offense, 433.3. There's total defense of 203.8. That's probably the second best 
total defense that we'll see in this entire list. Uh, their defense gave up a total of, what, uh, tw- 33 points in the four games. Their offense could score almost at will against certain teams. You know, Emory and Henry at 3-1 and one, with basically a, a 50-50 coin toss in an overtime play that if it went a different way, we'd be talking about them as the champions. Uh, I mean, this is a team that deserves to be number eight. The ODAC, while some people may dog it a little bit uh, in terms of overall conference strength, showed us consistency playing as many games as they did to help us determine who's who and what's what in that conference and you know showcased some talent that we might not have otherwise known existed like this Emory and Henry team. Yeah, and and kind of what we've seen now with, you know, what we're uh let's do the math James. Let's see. 50, well, let's see. What's 18 or so teams in at this point? Um if you just look at their resume, you know, over 430 yards on offense, check almost less than 200 yards a game on defense check point differential 22 check T- you know turnover mark. like they're checking off all the right boxes and um, you know if you watch that Randolph making game there were some really talented uh, defensive players and offensive players in in, in that one um, this is not just a run-of-the-mill d3 program they're going d2 for a reason uh, and once again when you compare it to the rest of the teams on the list, this uh, Wasp team would probably beat a vast majority of them, um, and they just came up a little sh- a little short on a, on a on unlucky bounce from being uh, undefeated conference champion. Didn't technically bounce; it just sort of sat there in midair. And Presley Egbers uh, said to give that to me and ran it in. And you know the rest of the story. We use it as uh, one of our clips uh, to advertise this show because it was that kind of moment as uh, spring football. Didn't get any better than that moment, for sure. Uh, let's go to number seven, and a team that had a lot of fun moments. Uh, we tried to showcase some of them uh, during the season. Hanover. You know, Hanover is one of those teams that you, you look at and you're like, well, you know, the Heartland, whatever. But this was a very consistent team, scoring over 50 points three times in four games. And then that really good battle with uh, Rose Holman in game number three on March 27th. Their offense, 457 yards per game. The defense needed to step up a little bit better, uh, giving up 410 uh, yards. Uh, point differential, though, plus 22.3. Turnover margin, plus 3. This was a team that I wish had played a fifth game, and I think that it was in the cards for them to do so, uh, because I think it would have sort of fully justified this number 7 ranking. But, you know, a lot of people had doubts. that They thought Bluffton was going to uh, take them down. Bluffton did in a really thrilling game. Don't forget, 51-44 is not a lie. That was a back-and-forth game. Uh, But, you know, a team that everybody thought was going to slip, they never did. And their offense showed the ability to score points in droves. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the one ding, I guess you could say, um, to Hanover is when you look at their, you know, sort of the total defense, that's pretty high um, as far as yardage allowed for a team to be this highly ranked. But one of those things, it's just kind of there There weren't that many uh, four and five and O teams in the spring. So if you're in that company and you're and you're effectively you know winning uh, conference titles, you know, that, that's obviously going to give you a, a boost. Whereas if you were just, you know, kind of an, an average you know, fall season, um, you know, you'd be 
probably in the in the top something uh, getting an automatic qualifier, but certainly not as high as this. But in this case, though, uh, certainly certainly deserving. And you know, they won the games that they they needed to, and uh, you know, they're still the team to beat in in the Heartland. Speaking of four and five and zero teams, I think you're going to see a little bit of a trend here, although maybe not entirely. Yeah, maybe there is a one-loss team amid the top six here. We'll see how it pans out, but it won't be number six as that team was five and zero. Randolph Macon. We just spoke a little bit about them when we talked about Emory and Henry, the lucky uh, roll in the air, uh, and Egbert <laughs> uh, taking it down for uh, the touchdown in overtime in the ODAC championship, but you can't just focus on that one game when you're talking about them. And for good reason, I mean, 44 to nothing against Guilford, 28 to nothing against Hampton, Sydney, the defense stood up in some very key times. The first game of the season when everybody's kind of new and fresh and uh, fresh yeah. with the, you know, entire playbook that is defensively, especially and being able to shut out a team in that first game. It's a very good thing. Shutting out your constant rival, it's a huge thing. You don't usually get to do that. Yeah. And so 241 yards per game is very good total defense-wise. Point differential plus 20. Turnover margin plus 2. There's a reason why the computer and we put them as close as uh, we all did with Emory and Henry, though. The closeness of that game obviously does not create separation in Emory and Henry's stats. Still showed some pretty good strength compared to Randolph-Macon, but Randolph-Macon won the game. And so... They deserve yeah. to be higher here at number six. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, what we saw with the, the Yellow Jackets all season was was a really consistent, strong, solid team that could beat you with defense, that could beat you with running and throwing the ball. So I would I would expect, you know, especially now that Emery and Henry has left, <laughs> you know, that uh, that uh, Randolph-Macon is going to be a favorite in, in the ODAC race and, and a potential playoff team come the end of 2021. Let's go to number five, another 5-0 and team, another conference champion, and that is the Westminster Titans of Pennsylvania. Uh, this is a team that not many people expected to do this uh, this season. Let's let's be honest here. They thought Grove City would get in their yeah. way. They they beat Grove City in a close one. They thought Carnegie Mellon might trip them up. They beat Carnegie Mellon by ten. Uh, they thought Washington Jefferson for sure would beat them uh, in that championship game. Did not happen. So against all odds, it felt like at times their stats maybe not as strong as some people would want to see. But look at the turnover margin at plus eight. That tells you, again, ball hawks that they were defensively. And in a good conference, they deserve to be number five. And, you know, we kind of got closer with them with Cole Konechka, who was in our uh, In Their Own Words segment as well earlier. Just learning a little bit more about that team. You got to love the heart of that team and their fan base and uh, Coach Benzel and everybody. It's... You can tell why they, they have turned a certain corner on this whole thing and seem to be almost the team to beat, I call them, in the fall right now. You know, with all deference to Case Western Reserve, this team seems to be gelling in this spring season is a big part of that. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why uh, 
the Titans will be viewed as the favorites, especially with this new offense that they've been able to uh, test out and and really run to <laughs> a lot of a lot of effectiveness and efficiency. Um, that's going to change the scape, uh, change the landscape a little bit in in the pack uh, this fall. So it should be interesting to see you know if the Titans kind of just reload off of this very successful spring run, or if there will be some other teams case like you mentioned um, who will try to trip them up along the way. Well, we have 21 teams down, one page left. I've got four uh, teams on one page right now that I'm going to read from. And uh, these are the best of the best. I'm going to tell you one thing, though, folks. And I, JB and I were talking about this earlier. We did not readjust things uh, when we looked at it. Teams number four, five, and six were razor thin uh, with the margins, with our votes, and everything else. Um, I think one of the things that did help determine or distinguish was not just the teams that played in those positions, but overall the depth of the conference during the spring. For instance, the ODAC, decently deep, but not the deepest conference out there, we didn't think. There were some definite holes there that maybe made the games a little bit inconsistent. The pack seemed to have a little bit more depth, especially on Westminster's side of the ledger, it felt like at times. And so they were a decently deep conference. The SAA, we mentioned it earlier, the overall depth of talent in the SAA that played this spring seemed to be one of the deepest, you know, alongside the ASC probably, uh, and some of the OAC as well. The OAC yep. has that, you know, imbalance too. Some people want to spot that, hey, you've mm -hmm. got a couple of good teams every year, Mount Union plus maybe one or two others, and then who else? But the SAA from top to bottom just seemed like a super competitive, deep, and talented conference. That's why number four is Barry. Their numbers don't necessarily check out fully across the board. Uh, the total offense, 366.8. Total defense, 301.3. Point differential, only 13. But again, turnover margin, it's a plus six with just four games. Good ball, Hawks. Birmingham Southern was no pushover this season, it seemed like. Uh, yeah. And that was a close game for them. Center was no pushover. Uh, the Hendricks game was close. This was a team that has a lot of talent on it that found the way to win multiple times. And again, the depth and just even getting to watch some of those games from start to finish, you could feel that this team really belonged in a conversation like this. Maybe they should be number five. Maybe they should be number six in some people's eyes. But as much as it's a tribute to... Barry, it's a tribute also to the SAA right now, I'd say, that they are number four. Yeah, and I think part of you know their their track record of having consistently won that conference for a few years in a row now, and just you know the plays like we saw in the SAA title game from Little Rock, you know the three interceptions, including the pick six, um, you know it was just one of those teams that. They found they found ways to win games, you know, even if it came to a you know special teams error. You know, they, they, they still made it, made stuff happen and uh, won a lot of close calls. And that's a sign of a championship culture and a championship team. Absolutely. And Coach K deserves a lot of credit for what he's uh, done in creating that atmosphere of winning and culture of winning uh, for Barry down there. But again, there are a lot of teams nipping at their heels right now and ready to knock them off in the fall. While they may be the favorite coming into the fall, I got to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't win it. 
because of these other teams yeah. in the depth that we're seeing right now. Again, this is the spring 2021 top 25, not the preseason fall 2021 top 25. So we are basing it on what we've seen on the field and the teams that we watched you know, from start to finish in this since February. Uh, that's why uh, they're number four. No apologies for that. No apologies for who's number three here. It's a, the only team that you're going to see in the top five with a loss. But let's face it, it was a close game. It's a conference with a lot of talent. I don't think you'll be surprised to hear that Harden-Simmons is number three at 4-1. and one. Uh, They were consistently winning by large margins to start the season to get into the ASC championship game. You know the story of the loss against UMHB, the 23-15 game that was back and forth a little bit toward the end of it at least. UMHB started hot in the first half. And Harden-Simmons was still in the conversation in the second half and had a chance to even tie the game late, but could not get there. 500-plus yards per game on offense, about 250 for defense, which is decent, not the best, but decent. 26-point differential, including the loss, don't forget. So, I mean, uh, that actually, I said earlier, uh, we had seen one of the best uh, point differentials you're seeing some even better point differentials here uh, with a team like Harden-Simmons in our uh, final two coming up after this. Turnover margin plus two, although the UMHB game, I think, tempered that number for them. Look, they were your 1A and your 1B throughout the season in the ASC, and the championship game didn't necessarily change that feeling. I think that Harden-Simmons is a team that if they can get over the UMHB hump, can make a playoff run next season or whenever. They've got the ability, the recruits, the backing to do it. Now it's just a question of getting over that hump of UMHB. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, I, I thought that they looked way better on film and in their games than, than the Crusaders did in many respects um, leading up to that game. And so I was kind of surprised at the result, uh, to be honest. And, you know, I ate a little, ate a little crow with my uh, – with my picking the Cowboys. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, if they can get over that sort of mental uh, block that for some reason, when they, when they play UMHB, they just, they kind of seem to fall apart in certain you know, aspects of the game that, yeah, I mean, they can, they can play with pretty much anybody in, in the nation. Um, they've got the roster and the, and the, and the coaching staff to do it. It's just going to be a matter of trying to figure out a way to take care of their, uh, their rivals who also happen to be, one of the best teams of all D3. <laughs> yeah, so, m- minor point, obviously. Um, speaking of that minor team. Detail. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that team uh, and uh, another team that we have not named yet, obviously it's Mount Union or Mary Harden-Baylor up next. Who is it? First, uh, we put a poll out. This had no effect on uh, who we picked. We had already made our decision. The computer already had fed us the information uh, to verify it. I will tell you that the decision was unanimous. Uh, between us and the computer on the uh, ordering of one, two, and three, uh, ultimately. Uh, So, you know, there's that for you at least. But I will tell you that the polls suggested by a somewhat narrow margin that Mount Union should be number one, uh, according to the fans out there. Not a huge uh, sample set. We we had a lot of traffic of other stuff going on during that time, so that's why it probably got overshadowed. But uh, there was a a group out there that was definitely pro-Mount Union at number one. So who's number two? It is indeed Mary Harden-Baylor. It's 
not their defense. Uh, defense two fifty a game, decent. Yeah. The offense at three eighty seven was rather pedestrian for a team that's a top tier team. Obviously, point differential was good at twenty eight point two. They were ball hawks in defense at plus six. Offensively, it became Jekyll and Hyde. The East Texas Baptist game obviously was a disappointment. Uh, in you know the offensive column, they felt they should score more in that type of game. But the Louisiana College scored 65-20, to and that developed especially late in the second half. Um, it was a somewhat close game early on against Louisiana College. Uh, that showed their other side. They're still trying to figure out who they are offensively. Kyle King uh, is a good asset for them, I think, as quarterback. Tommy Bowden, maybe they'll find some other uses for him, or who knows what's in the future for him. But I, I think ultimately... When you're measuring the best of the best, you have to have all three facets of the game down. Offense was still the concern no matter what, no matter how you sliced it with Mary Harden-Baylor. And so they finish at number two this time around compared to Mount Union in our view and the computer's view. Yeah, and even though it didn't factor into the equation, if you just looked at some of the basic you know, pass completion stats for uh, Mary Harden Baylor tells you a lot. Um, you know, the, the quarterback struggles uh, were there from day one. Um, they've been uh, kind of there for a while. I think once they get, uh, you know, this, what they figure out, what they're trying to do from an RPO perspective and do a better job of distributing the ball to these really talented wide receivers that uh, can, you know, break games open big time. Uh, they just they just need a little more consistency in the passing game. Uh, the offensive line came together great. That was pretty much the number one reason why they beat uh, Harden-Simmons in the title game. They just uh, won the battle up front. And so I'm pretty sure we'll be looking at, at the Crusaders as a national championship contender, as, as we do every year, uh, coming into the fall. Leaves one team, and I, I think it's pretty clear who it is. So let's talk about number yep. one in our first ever top 25 This for the spring 2021 season, the Mount Union Purple Raiders. 4-0 uh, because of the cancellation of the uh, game against Baldwin-Wallace. But the scores, uh, except for the kind of anomalous Marietta game, uh, which was only 20 points scored yeah. by them, 50-plus uh, uh, in the three other games, Mount Union was Mount Union, okay? Let's face it, defense maybe uh, you would think would be able to tamp down into single digits at least one more time, but in, once mm -hmm. these games start going a little haywire, uh, defenses start to let up a little bit. Uh, they gave up 251 yards per game, which was not the best in the nation, but it was good. Uh, the offense, no. though, 543.8. I believe that is uh, the absolute top, if not second. I believe that was the yep. number one, though. Uh, point differential. Plus 32, that is tops, and turnover margin mm -hmm. of four games is a plus five. Uh, you know, Coach Dart not missing a beat to a certain degree. I think they needed a game. As much as Mary Harden Baylor needed a season like this to tell who they were, to figure out offensively where they're going or need to go, I think they needed a game like the Marietta game in this spring season, Mount Union, to tell their team. We still have some growing to do here under this new helm uh, or helmsman of uh, Coach Start. I, I think they learned a little bit about themselves. And when you're a team like Mount Union, to be able to say you learned something in this four-game set that they played, I think it's important if you're going to go out there and compete for another national championship 
come fall 2021. Yeah, and, and going from Mary Harden Baylor, where there is a little bit of a, of a quarterback issue, well, the one thing that we definitely learned in 2021 in the spring is that Braxton Plunk is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the country period. Um, he was really impressive in, um, in the spring uh, through for, I think almost a thousand yards and uh, just was, had some really big games. And so obviously the, the heir apparent to D'Angelo Fulford, who I believe is now going to be uh, giving it a whirl in the, in the Canadian football league, um, you know, Plunk is a, is a guy who's going to become a household name for Division Three football fans, especially uh, this fall. JB, that's our top 25. Let me review it briefly here with team, record, and conference uh, to give them a, a little bit of an extra bow here. Number 25 from the uh, USA South, Huntingdon at 3-1. and one. Number 24 from the ASC, East Texas Baptist at 3-2. and two. Number 23, from the MIAA, Albion at 3-0. Number 22 from the NACC, Aurora at 3-0. Number 21 from the CCIW, Carthage at 2-0. Number 20 from the NCAC, DePauw at 2-0. Number 19 from the NJAC, Montclair State at 2-1. Number 18 from the Midwest Conference, Lake Forest at 3-0. Number 17 from the NJAC, Wesley at 2-1. Number 16 from the NACC, Lakeland at 3-0. Number 15, Brevard from the USA South at 4-1. Number 14 from the SAA, Hendricks at 3-1. Number 13 from the ODAC, Hampton-Sydney at 4-1. Number 12 from the NJAC, Salisbury at 2-0. Number 11 from the OAC, Heidelberg at 4-1. And, and now for the top 10. At number 10 from the Pack, Washington and Jefferson at 3-1. Number 9 from the Northwest Conference, Whitworth at 4-0. Number 8 from the ODAC, Emory and Henry at 3-1. Number 7 from the Heartland Conference, Hanover at 4-0. At number 6 from the ODAC, Randolph-Macon at 5-0. Number 5 from the Pack, Westminster of Pennsylvania at 5-0. Number 4 from the SAA, Barry at 4-0. Number 3 from the ASC, Hardin-Simmons at 4-1. Number 2 also from the ASC, Mary Hardin-Baylor at 5-0. And number 1 from the Ohio Athletic Conference, Mount Union at 4-0. Congratulations to all these teams, but honestly, congratulations to all 100-plus teams that played at least one game that yeah. counted in the spring season. The 59 of you that finished 1-1 one one or better, uh, you know, playing at least two games and finishing 500-plus, congratulations to you on that success level. But just playing one play of organized college football this spring in Division Three was important not just to you, but to us, and we thank you for that. Up next, over the next week or so, we will be handing out some other awards on Twitter uh, in a less organized fashion than uh, this show on Facebook. Uh, we'll be handing out some Players of the Year awards. Uh, we're not doing a full-scale All-America team. That's D3Football.com's job, uh, and they'll be doing that, but we will be giving out 
some more accolades beyond just Coach of the Year, which we already talked about, which is Chip Knapp. Congratulations to him, despite the circumstances. Final word goes to you, my friend. Well, just, uh, you know, that... Just thank you, because um, I definitely couldn't have done that by myself. Um, it was, I, I don't know if people realize, and I'm sure that this poll will get torn to shreds in certain places and it will be pinned on the wall and applauded in others. But uh, just so you know, there's, yeah, and darts will be definitely thrown at it. Um, but there were a lot of hours and a lot of time and, and effort put into trying to look at these very disparate, um, you know, types of teams in different parts of the country and, um, try to pull something together that ranked them in a way that was a little bit scientific, but allowed for the eye test as Frank alluded to early. And it was, and it was really fun. Um, the best part of the spring football after not having any in, in the, in the fall, say for the secretary's cup and a handful of other games was that we just got to enjoy, um, being football fans again and, and being able to, you know, appreciate and, and give some recognition to these uh, young student athletes and coaching staffs out there that have worked uh, probably harder than they've ever had to in their careers just to get on the field. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed this as much as we did. And we thank you guys for, uh, for, you know, at least humoring us with, uh, with our little spring top 25 list here. Folks, we'll see you on Twitter for the other accolades, and we'll be back before uh, August, obviously, with some more summary-type show and uh, whatnot. Obviously, news will break along the way, and uh, we'll review the last 14 months overall at a certain point in time in the not-too-distant future. Until then, be well, and thanks for joining us.